Chapter 19 The Granite Abyss It was morning, and Mamiya was still with me, haggard, drooping, in a stuffy chair. Alex? She smiled, tight, wary. How are you feeling? I hurt, alive. Would you like some water, sweetheart? Okay. They'd gone back for my voice, which had been lost. I recognized it as mine. Tell me. She scooted the dumpy chair closer to the bed, took my hand. What happened? Did Joaquin come? Yes, he's with Lori. She's fine. I had failed to consider the possibility that she might not be. The doctors urged her to have a cesarean as soon as we arrived, but she was already in labor and wanted so much to try for a vaginal birth. It was slow, so slow. Not really, but that's how it seemed when we were counting every minute. Very dangerous, the waiting, and so traumatic for her little body, lurching through contractions. No epidural, no relief. She wanted to experience the births naturally. I was crazy with fear, but Lori was committed to it, against the doctor's advice. Mamia gulped the water she had offered me. I knew we were headed into perilous terrain. Then, thank all the gods that be, the first baby's head dropped and she could push. Joaquin came just in time to see it crown. We watched the body emerge and slip out, neat as could be, a beautiful, perfect baby, five pounds, three ounces, a girl, Miranda Michelle, aspirated, crying, she and Joaquin and I, my tears and his euphoric. He held her as they cut her cord. His baby girl. My own designated granddaughter. Lord, what a miracle. I breathed, as I hadn't during Mamiya's tale, expecting tragedy. Number two child, the other twin, less willing to follow its sister into the world, did not come and did not come, and after an hour the doctor forcefully recommended a C-section. He urged us to convince her it was the safest way, the surest. I started to, but Lori reprimanded me. I was to be her advocate, and she wanted to give birth as women were meant to, without intervention. Joaquin was desperate, but held his tongue. The doctor and nurses were monitoring the baby, still getting a heartbeat, so they let her labor on. Oh my God, Alex, I was as worried for Lori as the baby. It was awful to watch her suffer so fiercely and unrelentingly. Finally, finally it entered the birth canal, and as it did so, as it was dropping, as she was readying to push at last, the heartbeat grew faint, grew fainter. Everyone panicked, terrified. I nearly passed out but forced myself to stay conscious, breathing with Lori. The doctor worked that baby out as fast as he could. It crowned a little boy, perfect also. She paused. I readied myself for a hallelujah shout. But dead. Neither the doctor nor his staff could revive him. God, how they all tried. He would not breathe. His heart would not beat. He turned blue. Stillborn. Died in the birth canal. Miranda's brother. Despite my fears, 
Somehow I believed till the end Lori would triumph. But she didn't. Should have had the C-section. But who knows what might have gone awry there. It's no one's fault, Alex. Not yours, nor Lori's, nor mine. Joaquin's, the doctor's, not anybody's. He could have crowned a few minutes earlier and been fine. You just don't know. This was not how it was supposed to turn out. I'd rocked the twins on my knees, rocked them in a golden oak chair, cradled in my arms, laughing. How could one of them have died since then? Her fall must have weakened him, done some internal damage. If she hadn't fallen, he would have made it. Alex, my dear son, you're such a dualistic thinker. Life is not a simple bifurcation of alternatives. There are innumerable possibilities that lead to consequences. If Lori hadn't fallen, she might have gone into labor at 3 a.m., and I might have been so groggy driving her to the hospital that we got into an accident. Or a million other things. Harvey might have tripped and never emerged from the house. You can't keep laying the blame for the worst outcomes at your own feet. We all play many roles in one another's lives and each has its own effect and each modifies the infinite paths that converge and diverge as we walk them. You are not responsible for her baby's death. Please believe that. Mamiya quivered to her feet, turned to face the rising sun. He was perfect, beautiful child, still warm at the threshold of this world. I've never, I've never seen a dead baby choked on a sob, let out a keening breath. She was exhausted, her shoulders drawn inward to constrict the grief. Not everything's about you, teacher man. Get out of your head and give your mother the comfort she deserves. Hold her. I did, soothed and let her weep. I'd never seen a newborn at all, could not conjure the image of one dead. But this one, which I knew as one knows certain unknown things, was my son, whom I had rocked beside his sister in the golden oak chair. I had to see. Now, the desire swelling to urgency before it was too late. Where is he? What's going to happen to him? Mamiya's sharp look warned me off. He's in the hospital morgue, I'd guess. Why? In the morgue? I have to see him. Too cold down there for a newborn. That's ghoulish, Alex. Why torture yourself? I have to go to him, right away. What about Miranda, and Lori and Joaquin? I pulled on my pants and shoes, ran my fingers shaking through my hair. I'm sure you'll need Lori's permission. But I was out the door, forcing myself to walk, act calm. Of course she was right, a hurdle I was unlikely to surmount. Lori would know why, which didn't mean she would agree, but what would Joaquin think? And I could not, now or ever, tell him. A man converted to fatherhood, his earlier resistance and cruelty forgiven in the whelm of love. The three of them in her room, a tableau of redeemed harmony, parents bending toward their child, who slept in the sweet assurance of her welcome. Who would have the gall to enter that charmed circle and demand to see the son who wasn't there, the dead other? 
though the sear of his loss lay just behind the ecstasy in his mother's eyes, flaring shame and anguish. He could have been saved. There might still be time. I needed to talk to her alone, persuade her to let me see the dead other. Hey, Joaquin, if you need to take a break, I'll be happy to take your place for a while. You've been up all night. Go on, get some rest. They've got beds. Wearing a smile too big for his face. Thanks, man. I'm fine. Can't leave my women. I'll crawl in next to Lori when I get sleepy. His widening smile defying the laws of physics. My mom's on her way here to meet Miranda. And Lori. Lori jumping in. Shelley was planning to invite Clarice up here so we could get acquainted, but it she didn't get a chance to. She cocked her head at me. I think of Shelley as the mother I would have loved to have, so she's like Miranda's maternal grandmother. Our little girl has a wonderful family. The clock was ticking. That makes you, in effect, her uncle. Joaquin must have swallowed the Cheshire cat. Would you like to hold her? He vacated the chair for me, laid the swaddled Miranda in my arms. For the first time, I took a close look at her, and yes, in the realm of babies, she was spectacular. Not that I had any to compare her with, but true beauty is singular in nature. Her hair was light like mine. Her eyes, when they opened briefly, blue like mine. Her nose and mouth, ears, chin, all modeled on mine. She burbled, yawned, and the way her lips and face moved was a double for baby videos of me, which I'd watched with the parentitos ad nauseum. Not only was the boy my son, but Miranda was clearly my daughter. The thought that I was rocking one of the children I'd fathered shivered me. I tightened my grip on her blanket. Joaquin, hovering observer, Are you okay? My God, I could never give her up, hand her back to her wrongful father, who had not wanted her to be born. If he'd had his way, she wouldn't have been. Neither of them. He was probably relieved to be down to one whereas I was profoundly dedicated to them both from the moment they began life in the womb. This baby, and her brother cooling too fast in the morgue, belonged to me. I'd have to tell him, get the DNA test, prove my parenthood, assert my rights. She was mine. They both were. I would not surrender my children. Alex, man, you look bad. Here, you're the one who needs rest. He reached out for Miranda, and I rose, prepared to defend my claim. Alerted suddenly by my face or her new mother instincts, Lori swung out of bed with astonishing agility and took Miranda from me. Get some sleep. It's been a long night. Firm, icy. Her mouth set hard. Where's the other baby? The boy no one's talking about. I stepped toward her. Joaquin, rigid, poised to spring. Lori, furious. Get out. In the morgue? You're just going to leave him there to rot? And I heard my fangs gashing her, but couldn't stop. He could have been saved. He could be here now, lying beside his sister. He should be, and you just let him slip away 
and now his name will never be spoken again, so he'll disappear from memory. His name. You didn't even know his name. His name was Yates Elliot Stranger. I rocked him, Yates and Miranda, in a golden oak chair, laughing, and this was not how things were supposed to turn out. He was mine, and he didn't die. You killed him. You threw him away. You gave up on him. He would have come around if you'd laid him on your stomach, held him, given him a fucking few more minutes, but you had the one you wanted, and he was the extra, the discard, the other. My son, I should have been there. Let me go to him. Maybe it's not too late to save, but so cold down there where you let them put him in the morgue in the ground, cover him up? Aren't you tired yet of covering him up? Making believe he's not mine? My flesh rotting in the morgue because you're a coward and a stubborn bitch who had to have things your way even when, no, because you were sure to lose him? Did you hate me that much? Did you? Kill me then, not him. Not one of my babies. They're both mine. They're mine. He was mine. Mine. Hell of a way to make me pay for my sins, sacrifice my son, and now you think I'll let you take my daughter? You lunged for her, lunged fast, but Joaquin stepped between us, shielding her. You're glad he's dead. Down to one, wanted them both dead. You never wanted them at all, murderer. Don't deserve her. Give me... And the room was suddenly full of people. Mamia coming in with a cropped, gray-haired woman and a different hospital man, grabbing me roughly. And suddenly my knees buckled, and everything was sudden now, me shrieking into the dark, dying, of which I was glad, to join my son if I could just tell them to lay me next to him in the morgue. We could go away together, and no one will ever know he was mine, glad to be rid of us. Alex, Alex, my dear son, why must you torment yourself so? Wrong. I am the father, not the son. Too late now to save him, tagged and bagged in a drawer of the morgue. If Tiger had been here, but that was a glacier from another age. Where was I now? Where were any of us, carrying on the daily pretense that we knew where we were, living on what we believed was secure ground, wading unaware deeper into the corpse-stratified quicksand grave of living on? In the room that was my own, over the garage, in my bed, with no memory of the passage from there to here. The cats straddling a patch of sun, whose eastward origin pointed toward it being morning. Another one. I had to come back to consensus reality, take up the walking stick of my given role, and shuffle on. Apologize. Be nice. Predictable. Write off the chimera of happiness that had propelled me across the desert. I had no children, no lover, no prospects. I was a scarred, mean 26, and in a decade would be a bitter middle-aged. My life would be ebb, the vacancy of expectation, the sterility of imagination, the absence of desire. When Mamiya died, I would remain alone in this house that I hated, ill-kept and ill-kempt, rocking, barren-armed to dust. I rose and dressed to begin the countdown. Mamiya, of course, with breakfast on the table, glad to see me, though I needed a thorough scrubbing. She spoke quietly, perhaps to avoid reawakening my frenzy. Made sure I knew she loved me, my bedrock mother. Talked about, literally, the weather. And when I'd eaten my fill, less than she hoped, Added without reproach, I called the school yesterday and told them you wouldn't be in. Family emergency. Monday, too, 
so you have a long weekend to recover. I had forgotten yesterday was Friday. No notes for the sub. They probably just screwed around, gleeful not to have homework. My schedule was off, and I'd have to do some reclamation work to get us back on track. What would I tell them about why I'd missed class? Nothing. Very little. It was nobody's business. Or I could make up something outrageous, tell each section a different crazy story, and let them compare notes. That would be the fun teacher way to go. Better get rolling. I had a lot to do. Thanks. I mean, really thank you for calling in for me, Mamia. And, just to say it for openers, I am so sorry about last night. The night before last, I mean. And yesterday. The whole thing. We can talk more later. And I'll send Joaquin and Lori a letter of apology, too. I hugged her. She did not withdraw from my foul-smelling embrace. Not my mother. You can tell them yourself in person, she smiled. I recoiled. Hadn't thought where they might be. In the hospital, I guess. They're staying here with us just till tomorrow. Lori thinks she's strong enough to travel to Trove already. The doc can look after her. I understand, but I had so much hoped to have more time with Miranda. Clarice is going down with them, which it's her place to do, of course. Mamia was squeezing the apples in our fruit bowl to hold on to her composure. Lori promised to come up and visit me with Miranda whenever she can. I just wish she would rest a couple of weeks and let me take care of her before leaving. But she's eager to go home, and Joaquin has to get back to tend. I've got a lot of work to do for my classes, especially after missing Friday. Shuttled my dishes to the sink, poured a fresh cup of coffee. I'll catch them on their way out. What about Din? Thanks for the great breakfast. Halfway over my shoulder. Gone. Reading over my notes was profoundly impressive. I created all this? What a genius, only 26. My curriculum had rhythm, had flow, had weave, had thematic unity and layered intent. A brilliant creation. Someday it would be a book, required reading in every education department. I would become one of the gods of this field, in urgent demand on speaking tours and at very high-level conferences. I could tell them about my little room above the garage the classic artist's garret where I planned and wrote my first masterpiece. Year one curriculum. With this lofty vision driving me, I set about tinkering with it, trimming the fat and adding perfection to slower moments. I rested from my labors only when the dogs of hunger growled in my belly. On the verge of heading into the amazing self-replenishing kitchen, I remembered that they were here and might be hanging around texted Mamiya not to count on me for dinner, then zipped off in Pac-Man 2 to get a pizza and a six-pack. Saw Mamiya watching me out the window. Too bad, but I'd outgrown my curfew. Sent one more text while I was waiting for my pizza, to Joaquin and Lori. It felt like a safe distance from which to say, I'm really sorry, Jay and Al. Was out of my mind, a place I go too often. Congrats on Miranda. Wish you three a happy life. Your weird friend and uncle, Alex. The plan for tonight was to wolf the pizza, 
Choice bits for the cats, of course, if they stayed with me. Medicate myself with beer. Sleep long and prosper in the unconscious. Morpheus was the greatest of my gods. With luck, the strangers would be gone by the time I awoke, and I could begin pretending this weekend never happened. The iridescent blue of the near-dusk sky lit my way to the stairs. Pizza to my chest, six-pack dangling from the right-hand middle fingers, looked up as I mounted the bottom step to find Joaquin seated on the top one, obviously waiting for me. My heart turned around and left while my legs kept trudging toward him. Exactly what I'd hoped to avoid, the one-on-one. I should never have sent that text. Joaquin rose and stepped aside to let me enter my room, then followed. Want some pizza? A beer? No, thanks. But you should go for it while it's hot and cold. Good. That would keep my mouth full of something besides venom. I popped a top, slugged half a beer, shoved a wide slice into my maw. The big problem being that I wasn't hungry any longer. My stomach contracted into a wad. You deserve to know what happened, Joaquin began. So did he, but I'd been stripped of vindictiveness. And to know that you were right about a lot of things that had best been left unsaid. Medically speaking, yeah, Lori did let her son die by not allowing the doctor to perform a C-section. But the whole time she was working full out to bring him into the world, give him a life begun right. She's stubborn that way. Her abusive childhood perhaps explains it. And her origins unknown. When he arrived, and we both would have loved to name him Yates, call him that in our heads since you spoke his name, Lori whispered, things fall apart, over and again, after you left when we were alone. She did what you said she should have, held him on her stomach, rubbing him to bring him back. After the docs had a go at reviving him, she took him to her again, tried mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, massaged his heart, would not let them cut the cord, would not let him go. She was sobbing, screaming. Shelley took Miranda out of the room to keep her from hearing her mother's pain. I tried to comfort her. But my efforts were suspect because, right again, Alex, I'd forfeited my rights to be her helpmate. I, who'd wanted both babies aborted early on, who shunned his beloved when she continued to carry them. If you hadn't called, I wouldn't have even been there. Thank you for calling, my friend. Bile rising again from the cancerous secret in my gut. Should have bought a twelve-pack when we finally pried the utterly and truly dead baby from her, Lori begged to have him in the room with her, which was against hospital rules. Once again, your question about why he wasn't there with us struck home. I spent, the hospital chaplain spent, hours reassuring her and gently redirecting her attention to the living child, to Miranda. There she came to rest. From there the joy sprang, to there she fled, and with a refugee's desperation for a new home, pinned her focus. Joaquin shifted, then stood and faced the window, 
a sky-drawn silhouette in the dark room. It was better for both of us not to flip the switch. I've never had a baby in my arms. This one mine, which I never expected to have. A girl, yes, a delicate girl child. Humiliating as it is to admit, I much prefer a daughter to a son. A break from the patterns that made me revile fatherhood. His voice dropped low, redolent with tears. I am happier with one than two, with Miranda than Yates. But if he had lived, I would have opened my arms to him, tried to emulate my grandparents who were so good to me. I could have done it once he was in my arms. I'm not a monster. Would that I could say as much, popping the third top. The point is that you should know you were right on, Alex, and your words broke our hearts, something only one who genuinely knows us could have done. I wish you hadn't spoken because it hurt so much to hear aloud the terrible questions and accusations we had leveled silently at ourselves. Time to apologize with so much more than a text. The reckless damage I'd done was irreparable as whatever I did to those I loved proved to be. The babies were Joaquin's. My balls were no doubt frozen in the cabin, or fried earlier. The rocking chair, an image conjured to assuage my guilt. Rise, ugly man undeserving of mercy. Sorry for everything. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But he, Alex, nevertheless, we want you to know, yes, Lori too, that you are Miranda's uncle, our closest friend, and if you want to come back to Trove, you're welcome in our home, our family. Stripped me of my intended apology by offering forgiveness where condemnation was due. Homecoming in place of exile. Friendship for enmity. And I had said Joaquin was not a man of that ilk. No words to return to him, only my beaten self which rose without volition and lurched over to embrace him, as I had never done before. Both of us in tears, hanging on to each other as I could not have imagined two straight men doing, especially being one of them. From the eyeless safety of his shoulder, I confessed the harbored dream. I'd been thinking I'd be the baby's father, raise them as my own. After being the worst son a good man ever suffered, become the best father the twins could wish. Watch them grow. Hear them call me daddy. Fill their lives with love and happiness. But it wouldn't have worked anyway because Lori would never have allowed me to be a father to them. Oh, in time I'm sure she would have. No, she'd never have forgiven me. For what? This was the moment to tell him. The truth nothing but, or forever hold my peace. For not being you. A simple truth, whole enough. My night with Lori was not itself to blame, though it had been the catalyst for our labyrinthine passage to this moment. It was my irrational assumption that at its end she would love me as she did Joaquin. Her love was what I'd sought through entering her body. So pathetic a delusion. Even if Miranda was biologically mine, she would be his in all ways that mattered. He stepped away from me, 
still awash in tears, just visible in the ebb light of day, stood and let empath silence speak. Time dry grief and heal memory. Bridge the riving. Even so, you called. I did, and if I hadn't, and saved me. The crickets, loud and monotonous, drove weariness into my skull bones. Joaquin bade farewell with a second embrace and slipped out the door. At the top stair, he turned. Please see us off in the morning. One more scene and I could get back to my life, my classroom, my teaching. Coming up, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, whose inmates were certifiably sane. Constructing a reality in which the outcomes commingled poignant injustice with a sharp hope that elevated the reader's humanity. Rather than cursing the gods, they sat among them, gazing benevolently on the noble, unmerited suffering humankind inflicted on itself. As the next morning, when I joined Mamiya in wishing the strangers a safe journey and sweet homecoming, met Clarice properly. She assuring me of no need to apologize, Lori warm and kind, knowing our transgressions sealed impermeably. They wreathed us in extravagant gratitude and enfolded us with bountiful hugs. Three-day-old Miranda passed from Mamiya's hand to mine, babe of placid grace, and they departed with Lori's promises of frequent returns and Joaquin's effusive invitations to visit them in Trove. I draped my arm over Mamiya, trembled by the leave-taking, waving, smiling, recalling how in days of yore Los Parentitos had stood just so to see me off. You all right? I asked as they disappeared around the corner. Mamiya buried her face in my shoulder. I'm going to miss them. Her voice like cracked stone. We'll go down soon. Don't worry patting her arm solicitously. Can I do anything for you? That vaulted a smile from the granite abyss. Alex, taking care of his mom, thinking of others before himself, a grown-up man at last, never more to be scarred and spurned by impulsive stupidity. Bodes well for his career and possibly even at some point his legitimate fatherhood, wouldn't you say? But, as Mamiya has occasionally, in jest when he was nearly late to school, reminded him, he was slow being born and had been slow ever since. Slower than molasses in January, Papito adaged. Assumption Junction, Hirsch threw in, whenever Bug got ahead of himself. <laughs>